This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and of course, children of all ages, welcome to the program. Yep, yep, yep. The Hip Hop Prof is the name. And of course, segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging to your customers is the game. We've got a packed show tonight. So with that, let's jump right in and bring in our first guest in the studio. This is Steve Wansink. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, it's always great to be here, Americus. It's a great pleasure to have you here. I mentioned to listeners earlier that I sort of see you as like this character in Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction called Winston the Wolf. And the idea being that, you know... Sometimes bad stuff happens, and you got to get on the beeper and give Winston a call. And basically, Steve, they come to you and say, hey, can you help us out? And you show up in a black suit, and you say what? <laughs> I, I say, oh boy, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I say, hey, listen, we can we can figure this out, and uh, it's not going to be easy, and we're going to have yeah. to go go at it and, and figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah, listeners, I like to refer to Steve as Winston the Wolf because he solves problems. And oftentimes, yes, and oftentimes we're finding that these brands are stepping in it almost every single doggone day. Isn't it crazy? It, it is, and and you know it's it's hard in today's uh, world. And and one of the things uh, on one of the topics I want to talk about is is that contrast of just how hard it is today to respond quickly enough mm-hmm. to meet the demands of the public, and that is one of the biggest challenges. Mm-hmm. You you can do everything right. From a you know a crisis response standpoint, but if it's not fast enough, yeah. if it doesn't meet those needs of the public fast enough, you can still get dinged for it, and that's one of the real challenges of uh, our age. Here. It's a huge challenge that Steve is talking about. We're going to be talking about Facebook in just a second. I was actually just listening to this as it was evolving, Steve, and I was saying to myself, there was this sort of loud silence. I remember, I remember that like one day went by, two days went by, yep. three days, and I was like, oh my god, this is like an eternity. For Zuckerberg to say something, yep. to come out there and like try to basically calm this storm that was happening. So, to your point, Steve, I think it's in this digital world. I guess, yeah. Uh, you don't basically you don't get any credit unless you're out there literally within like five minutes, right? Talk about yeah. This. So, I, I want to give you some perspective on this. So, uh, we're, we're talking about Facebook and and Cambridge Analytica, and we'll we'll give the summary uh, in just a moment, mm-hmm. but. You know the the gold standard of crisis management is the is the Tylenol the J and J case yeah. from 1982. The okay. Si- so sign up here's for anyone who doesn't know if you haven't heard of this story. 1982, uh, a bunch of people in Chicago die. Uh, it it is found out that there was cyanide injected into Ooh. their Tylenol. Oh. Uh, and and they all end up dying. That's not something you expect from your no <laughs> from your medication I, you, you relief don't really, uh, product. really usually <laughs> expect that to happen. So that yes. that news. Uh, the, the deaths start to happen on September 29th, but the news, for all intents and purposes, breaks on September 30th. On October 5th, uh, Tylenol responds, and they decide to recall all Tylenol everywhere. Okay. They all launch, of, wait a minute now. Yes. They are literally saying that's, we're going to— That's correct. Oh, my goodness. $100 million worth of product. They just pull it off the shelves to make sure that people stay safe. So. Mm-hmm. You know, five, six days pass basically from the first death to when they actually take action. They made a couple of minor statements to the press before then, but when they actually take some significant action mm-hmm. is October 5th. And it's seen as a huge win for Tylenol because they were able to, uh, as many people saw it at the time, get out in front of the story. They took decisive action. Okay. They did something that 
damage their business really because not all of the Tylenol on the market was tainted. It was really only contained to one distribution center in Chicago. But, oh. but to calm public fears, they they made this move. They pulled all the Tylenol off the shelves and uh, they were lauded for it mm. and and you know mm-hmm. re- rewarded for it. So this is like an example of here's best the, practice. This, this from is a little this bit is, a little bit yesteryear, but cor- nonetheless. Correct. Well, and that that's the thing. But it but it has long been considered the gold standard of how you should manage a crisis because of the way they they handled it. And they Mm -hmm. took action. They were decisive. They acknowledged the concerns, all those things. Gotcha. Wait a minute. You said three things. They took action. They acknowledged the crisis. They they validated concern. And they took action. Got it. And and they did it pretty effectively. Got it. So that's long been the gold standard. Now, just for comparison's sake, Mm -hmm. this, this situation with Facebook right now, this story breaks... On March 17th in the New York Times, they come out with a big report that this firm, Cambridge Analytica, has been using Facebook data to filter to politicians and mine data to influence people. Gotcha. Mark Zuckerberg uh-huh. – uh, sorry, on March 20th. <laughs> March 20th. Uh, the New York Times comes out with a story that basically says, where's Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> and on March 21st, just one day later, Zuckerberg comes out and speaks. So in four days, Zuckerberg responds and he, he outlines a whole bunch of things that Facebook is doing and is going to do to address this issue. So in less time than the gold standard of crisis management took. But that is the difference between 1982 and – and 2018. Got it. it. You cannot wait five days. Even if after that five days you do everything right, you're going to get dinged for that you're initial response. You're still going to get dinged for yeah. the initial response. And that's, that's what incredible. happened here. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so let me make sure I'm, I'm adequately uh, recapitulating the problem here, Steve. So what happened was there was some a research professor who basically said – got access to data doing this little personality quiz – Right. Yep. And then so he got all this data about three hundred thousand people. Is that what it was? Something uh, like that. Yeah. The in- initially, yes, yes, initially, initially three hundred thousand people. But the way that Facebook. So this was done in. Uh, I'm going to get some of these years wrong here, but this this was done a, a number of years ago. I gotcha. think it was like 2010 or 2011. Okay. So a while ago, uh, that he puts this app on Facebook that mm-hmm. has a survey to it, and by taking the survey, you. Uh, contribute your data to uh, the the this researcher. Gotcha. But at the time, the way Facebook was set up, it also gave him access to all of those people's friends uh, and their information. And their info. So when you say their information, Steve, what did they get? They get your my profile page and all my pics and videos, or just um, my profile page, or it, it, some, something that I don't know that they have. So, th- things right? you've liked, things you, oh, activity you've taken on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So quite a bit of information. It's more than just your name and gotcha. you know your email address. They're there was identifiable information oh my goodness. Uh, that they were able to, gotcha. to pull uh, off of Facebook. And it's through that second, third order effect that we get to this number of, quote, 50, 50 million. 50 yes. million people? Yeah. There's 300 million. How many people in the, in the United States? Uh, 300 million. 300 yeah. million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So literally 50. So it's a really good chance that my data is somewhere with before where they're claiming it was deleted at some point. Right. Right. So. So so a lot. See, a lot of this stuff happens before this news story comes out. So this news story comes out on March 17th. But uh, that was done years ago. Years ago. The information was then sold. Facebook eventually found out about it. And this was, you know. Uh, they're talking about the the Trump campaign, but this was not the first time that politicians has yes. used have used some of this data. Some of it dates back to as early as 2015, okay. where they knew that some of this data had been shared yes. with politicians. Gotcha. And at the time, Facebook took action and took uh, oh. Cambridge Analytica and the researcher off their platform. They booted oh, them. They banned okay. them from the platform. That, I did not get that. I mean, yeah. they're painting Zuckerberg out to be like this carefree, willy-nilly guy. He's, he's done some things they, that were they, good. They did at that time when okay. that came out. And then they also, set, they yeah. also made uh, Cambridge Analytica sign a 
an a, a legally certified document gotcha. that said they they deleted the information. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, they okay. never asked to look for it. Oh. They they didn't actually verify that it was gone. But gotcha. they they tried to get it legally certified that they deleted this information. Gotcha. Um, and that was not done with a lot of fanfare. It, after the initial reports, Facebook kind of took this action, and they didn't really want to keep the story in the news, so they could just kind of did it, and that was the end of it. Gotcha. Uh, and then what has been later found out is that data was not deleted, gotcha. and then it was used. Uh, in 2016. So the the professor who was using this, quote-unquote, for academic purposes, eventually ended up selling it to Cambridge Analytica, and they did a bunch of stuff and analysis for political purposes, whatever. They were working with the Trump campaign, allegedly, or yes. this is confirmed? Uh, I, well, I mean, through sources. Through I, don't source, know okay. that, I don't know that the whatever. Trump campaign is admitted yes. it, but yes, yes. That well, somehow, yes. if you look at the news reports, Cambridge Analytica was working with the yeah, Trump Yeah, I'm campaign. sure our president would say it had nothing to do with that. But anyway, <laughs> right. that's a different uh, conversation. So, so, But that's interesting because part of what happened then was like there was this breach yes and then so zuckerberg is like on the hook because people are like what's going on here and you're saying he's responded if you were to measure him up against the tylenol standard he did pretty damn good yeah against that standard but that's not the standard anymore yeah uh, so he's getting raked over the coals yes, for this yes. and he had, at some point he had to come out and actually make a statement and i believe we i think you can help us understand what are when you when you when you actually have to go out there and say something, yep. What exactly are the things that are part of a really good response versus a really bad response? So let's actually check a little bit out about what Mark had to say about all of this. This was a major breach of trust, and and I'm really sorry that this happened. Um, you know, we have a basic responsibility to protect people's data, and if we can't do that, then then we don't deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. So. Our responsibility now is to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And there are a few basic things that I think we need to do to ensure that. One is uh, making sure that uh, developers uh, like uh, Alexander Kogan, who got access to a lot of information and then um, improperly used it, just don't get access to as much information going forward. We are, are doing a set of things to, um, to restrict the amount of access that, that, um, that developers can get going forward. But the other is we need to make sure that there aren't uh, any other Cambridge Analytica's out there, right? Or folks who have improperly accessed data. So uh, we're going to go now and investigate every app uh, that has access to a large uh, amount of, of information from before we lock down uh, our platform. And if we detect any suspicious activity, we're going to do a full forensic audit. Any- Wow, full forensic audit. Now, this was a—I believe this was a clip that was taken from CNN. There's an interview that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, did at that particular point. Give it a grade. I, I mean, yeah, by the standards of you know, validate concern, show action. It's pretty good. I mean, he, he says he's sorry. All right. He says they violated trust. Uh-huh. I mean, a minus what? Yeah, B I mean, plus? the, the statement—the statement itself is—is is, yeah, it's an A. It's—it's it's an A. I it's mean, it's a, a good mm-hmm. statement. Interesting. But, uh, I think what we're increasingly seeing is that, you know, and we, we may have to update our own model here. There's a third element, which is you, you do have to uh, get out in front of this as quickly as possible mm-hmm. to, a, to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. validating concern and showing action are still, you know, critical. And I think what they've done will ultimately matter, but they they have that initial kind of stain on them mm-hmm. that – um, you know they can't undo now because they just weren't swift enough in their in their response, and I think it speaks to planning. Uh, this was something that they knew. They knew this story was coming. Mm, uh, they, ah, they knew that this, this was, was a crisis that was an, an simmering. Yeah. Yes. It, okay. It, so th- okay. this is this. 
this was not a total shock to them. Gotcha. And um, I think it, it is all about having a plan and being able to know where those vulnerabilities are. I, I think the other thing about this situation is this is not um, this is not an issue that. It comes out of left field for Facebook. Gotcha. I mean, this is something that's central to their business that they, if they did any kind of analysis on this, would know right. that it's a liability. Yes. And they should have a communications plan in place You're, to kind of deal with that. You guys preach this. You always talk to, to us, Steve, about this idea of, like, listen, if you're a train company, it, at some point, you you probably should have in your plan what might happen if there's a derailment. Yeah, there should be that. Should, you should already be planning for that, right? Similar kind of thing here, like data breach. Right, right. Come on, I mean, this is going to happen at some point. Here's what's interesting, though. Uh, you know, I'm fascinated by this because you you mentioned a great point, Steve. You said, listen, there's there's three things: validate concerns and show action. They get an A on this. It's a critical point that you know is also in that analysis as well, Steve. Would you say get out in front, control the narrative? Yep. What's interesting about this, I think, and you can comment on this, is that there's a little bit of almost hypocrisy there in the sense that you know Mark is wants to wants to come out and say to us, <laughs> you know, we need to protect your data. We need to take these steps. We need to really make sure you're safe. But isn't his entire business model yeah. predicated on the idea that we get data and we can sell it to other people and make you know ads and you know learn stuff about you and give you better choices in life stuff like that? I mean, comment on this. So that is it, why this case is so complex and um, interesting mm-hmm. because you're a hundred percent right. This is not an issue uh, that is easily solved mm-hmm. for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Their business model is built on the idea that they can collect data about you, the user, and sell that to advertisers. Mm-hmm. It's why you don't pay to access Facebook. That you know, People think it's a free platform. Yes, well, right, right. nothing is free, nothing right? Nothing is free. Uh, you, what you are paying with is your identifiable information, which yes. then Facebook goes out and sells. Now, a lot of people don't realize that, quite frankly. Yes. Uh, they do not understand how Facebook is built, but... Um, that is the reality of it. And so when you talk about issues like this related to data, uh, it, it's a really sticky spot for Facebook to be in because the reality of it is they can't say, we're never going to share your data with anyone again. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Their whole business goes down the tubes That's if right. they do that. That's exactly um, right. And I think that is why uh, it did take them a couple of days to respond because they needed to understand yeah. that and really think through issue and, yeah. and try and get through that. Interesting. Listeners, if you're just joining us, uh, we are having a conversation with Steve Wansink. He is Associate Vice President of Braithwaite Communications. You call him when you screw up, and basically <laughs> he gets you out of the hot water. Basically, that's the bottom line. And uh, we're talking about Facebook. If you have questions or comments about what's going on. Did you delete your Facebook account? Did you, what did you do? Did you go check to see what the permissions were on your Facebook account? Maybe you can weigh in on this issue. one 844 is the number. That's one 844 Now, I want to ask you this, because you talk about the notion of the brand. And I was having a conversation recently, Steve, about you know whether or not people are, quote, loyal to Facebook. And it was an interesting conversation that came out of a guest I had in my class who showed some data uh, of an analysis that showed that one of the things that is dropping for Facebook, quite honestly, is this notion of trust in the brand. And this was not, this was prior to this was like last year. This was starting to happen. And so, how do they, given this tension between the business model and the need to make sure that they make us 
feel that we're safe? How do they get that trust? How do they, what do they need to do? What do they, how do they demonstrate that? Other than just sort of this lip service, and maybe it's not lip service, maybe it is real, maybe they're going to do these things and all that, but how do they start giving me proof of concept that this is the real deal? Yeah, that's an interesting question. The, 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 the one thing I would add to that is um, there's an interesting thing about Facebook. Facebook has never really been all that trusted a, mm-hmm. as, as a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zuckerberg, I think, has all, off, always been looked at skeptically. Gotcha. Uh, dating back to the late 2010, yeah. uh, early 2010. Yeah. How much of this is the haters? Like, is, you know, I hate yeah, the billionaires. There's, there's, <laughs> there's some, some of that, that right? But, but, but I think that the thing about Facebook is um, – are you attached to the brand or are you attached to the network yes. that Facebook has created? Yes. And this is the yes. pull that Facebook has that yes. other uh, brands may or may not have, Correct. which is this is where you talk about your life and your family yes. and you connect with friends and you meet people. And right. you. it is a powerful pull that perhaps goes beyond just the Facebook brand and and what that stands for, and if you're off Facebook, well, I, I don't know, I don't know what my dad's doing now. What he ate for dinner last night, or what <laughs> what my friend in California is doing right. this weekend, right? Um, and so I, I think you know, you know, Zuckerberg was asked about this in the New York Times interview. Have have they seen a drop in uh, you know people in people pulling off the platform? Uh huh. What was his answer? Now he said no. Now, he said, I don't know yeah, right. what the actual data on that is, but. Right. But I think it will be interesting to see whether or not it does actually lead to people coming off the platform because there's there is a, a le- layer of connectedness to Facebook that goes beyond just the brand itself. That's exactly right. I think what's interesting about Facebook too, and I'll, I'll ask our producer who's back there if uh, if you could take a look at the uh, how much the stock has dropped. I would be interested in knowing that because I, I have some investments in Facebook, and I think I believe I'm taking a little bit of a bird bath right now. Yeah, it's taking uh, because of a this. little bit of drop. I don't know the numbers, okay. but I, maybe I know it comes it, back. Yeah, I, don't I know, know it went down. Yeah, but so one of those metrics is stock price drops or whatever. Another metric that you're talking about, Steve, is like your trust in the brand. I know that for me, are you you're still on Facebook? Yes, I am. Yeah. Did you go check your information out? Uh, I, what did this cause you to do? So I haven't done anything. <laughs> like, I haven't. I trust these guys. Well, I you know I guess. Uh, I, the way I look at it is, I know they're using my information. Ah, you know, so, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, I, this doesn't surprise me necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I think for a lot of people, it it is it is a yeah. surprise. It is a surprise. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting. I guess now that I look at my own behavior, Steve, I, I haven't done anything either. It's just like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. They have my data. So what? Right. And I know that you know part of what I do on Facebook. To your point about identity, and you, you're curating a self. That's a very stylized version of who you are. When you look at when I look at other people's friends in my network and their Facebook pages, I'm like, wow, they have fantastic lives, yeah, right, <laughs> perfect exactly, lives that exactly. are playing out on the, you know, and and that part of this, that's part of this connection of like, oh my goodness. But I think your point's a very good point, Steve, which is to ask the very hard question, and, and this is perhaps keeping Zuckerberg up at night. What would happen if another disruptor showed up, mm-hmm. and somehow they could say, you know what? We can get everybody on our platform, or maybe we are starting to get everybody on our platform, and you can press a button and migrate all your videos and all your uh, pictures over to our site with no ads. Press that button. When I, when I do that mental exercise yeah. in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I might do that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I would yeah. think about that. So, yeah. so what, do they, what other things do they need to actually work on to like, how would you advise them? Well, if you were in, in, in Zuckerberg's ear right now, what would you say, hey, let me give you a plan for the next year, two years, five years? Well, I, I think one thing with the, the platform is they do need to be a lot more transparent about mm-hmm. you know what they're doing with your information uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, and or at least – 
make it very clear that they're using your information for for advertising purposes. Now that is going to go against everyone's instinct because yeah. now suddenly people may not want to sign up for the platform, but I, I think it is essential for them to be a bit more transparent. And you know, I I've. Uh, gone in there before to change some of my privacy settings uh, it is not very easily yeah. navigated now I, I just read today they have started to make some changes to if you go into that settings tab and you look at your privacy settings they've started to make some changes to how that's laid out to uh-huh. try and make it a little bit more user friendly and mm-hmm. easy to uh, navigate so they are making some changes there but it's funny the whole idea of Facebook was to kind of get, get people, you know, free and yeah. everything, and yes. everybody's connected, and there's no restraint yes. on information anymore. Right. Except the information that they, they don't want you to know. <laughs> That's right. Um, so uh, so they, I think they have to be a bit more transparent about, you know, what they're using their data for. And I, I, I will say, you know, if you read the background on this, they had taken a lot of steps to correct mm. a lot of the issues that led to this particular you know Cambridge Analytica story already. The 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 way that that researcher was able to pull in information that was eliminated years ago. Gotcha. Um, Interesting. So did, so yeah. yeah so they yeah. they have done. So, I think they knew. I think they did know. Yeah. That this was coming. See to your point, they could have acted. Your point that you made the, the earlier, Steve, about controlling the narrative. They could have been proactive when that event happened. And, and could have basically said, hey, here's something that had popped up on our radar. We just want to let you know we've, we're, here, we're putting in some controls of this because yes. we are aware of this. As opposed to later on now where it's like, look, were you hiding this? Were you, you know, was this like simmering under the surface and you didn't want to say anything and so on? So I think that's an interesting dynamic there, yes? Yeah, cover-up's worse than the crime, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what it is here. I mean, they, they took the steps. But if they had come out five years ago and said, by the way— you know, we've made some massive changes to our privacy and gone on a media tour about that. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now, you know, they may not be dealing with this. Of course, they still would have faced a backlash. I mean, people would have been upset when they found out that their their data wasn't being shared. But now, five years later, this would not be a story. Gotcha. You it know, would it, not. It would well, definitely. Yeah. Well, it'd be a story, but it wouldn't be the same magnitude of yes. story uh, against Facebook. I think it would be more about just the manipulation of data in general and the election. But I mean, this became this this. You know, this could have been an election story, and it became a oh, Facebook story. Interesting, interesting. So part of what they could have done was probably deflect a little bit yeah. to try to, and that would have been a more proactive yep. kind of crisis management uh, strategy. My crack producer just tells me that the stock is down 14.8% in the past two weeks. I don't even want to know what that means relative to my personal <laughs> yeah. stock portfolio. I mean, you know just what I mean? Just don't check. Just don't check, right? <laughs> but but to the point, I mean, maybe that's the, the big takeaway. You have to start checking into these things so you can understand what's going on. For sure. Yeah, very cool. Steve Wansink, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Oh. Awesome. Always is oh, just great to have you here. Great to be here. Excellent. You can find more about Steve at GoBraithweight.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at GoBraithweight. That's at G-O. B-R-A-I-T-H-W-A-I-T-E. You're listening to Marketing Matters. This is Professor Americus Reed, a.k.a. the Segmentation and Targeting Terminator. I'll be back. And this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 